Hey everybody, this is Brent Kellogg, the pastor of Hill Spring Church in Sand Springs, Oklahoma. And this is our podcast. Thanks for taking time to join us today. Our prayer is that this would inspire you, build your faith, and help you take the next step in Christ. Enjoy the message. The best cook, the best, uh, most beautiful woman. All, I, I can go through all the list of things. Um, mainly because I have to tell a story about my ex-girlfriend real fast. And so, just so you know, uh, I'm just going to throw that out there. A couple years ago, I was dating a girl by a couple years ago, 15. I was dating this young lady, and it was not Cassie, it was another girl. And um, in that, uh, when we were dating, I I just have a love-hate relationship with flowers, to be honest with you. And I'm not good with flowers, don't know how to plant flowers, don't know how to really keep anything alive in a general sense, but this, it it was 15 years ago, I was dating this young lady, and it was Valentine's Day. Now, if you know me, I didn't realize that on Valentine's Day, just didn't think through this well enough, that people just come in and sweep up all the flowers that you can on that day. And so I was, I was thinking, okay, I'm going to go get this young lady some flowers. And so I drove, and and I went to where uh, you could buy some flowers, and I looked around, and there was like nothing there. There, it was all all gone. And so I thought, well, this is, this is bad. This is going to be a bad day for me. And so I just thought, I'll, I'll figure something out. And I went to work. And, and I, used to, I used to work up the road uh, a couple years ago, 15 again, years ago. And in that, I was at my job. And, and my boss, she, her husband actually sent her some flowers. And actually, a bunch of people gave her flowers that day. So was like she was inundated with flowers. And at one point, she said, hey, does like she had bunches of vases of flowers. And does, does anyone want some flowers? And I just quickly, because I'm the opportunist, I just raised my hand and said, yeah, I got, a, I got an idea, okay? And so they let me have the flowers, took them home, and I, and I went on Valentine's Day, I went out with the, the lady, and um, this, is, this feels awkward telling this story still in front of my wife. But um, I gave her the flowers, and in that, she was just like, in awe. I mean, like, like she was so excited that I had thought about her, that I got these flowers for. Like, it was, it was incredible. It was a great, great time. The problem there is, though, when I gave her the flowers, I didn't really think through the conversation here. And in the conversation, I told her, yeah, my boss gave me these flowers for you. And I didn't realize that at that moment, immediately, that date was completely over, all right? Because didn't think about it. I thought, Here's a gift, have at it, and it was not about the gift, it was actually about the thought put into it and that it wasn't for her. That's, and so it was a good lesson to me, and today we're going to be in Mark chapter 12, and, and at the end of this chapter, it's, it's going to be an interesting story that Jesus tells, and, and I'm just going to be right up front and honest with you. Today we're talking about money, and I know that that's never the fun thing. You're like, man, I brought my friend today. This is Money Sunday? I, I, I get it. I get it. I'm sorry. I get it. Come back next week. One service, it'll be a lot better for you. Um, but there's an important lesson in this, in this message, and I think there's more than just money behind this, and so I want to talk about it today. If Jesus talks about it, we should talk about it, right? And that's, that's the story, and that's the point of it. So Mark chapter 12, verse 38, this is how it goes. As he taught, Jesus said, watch out for the teachers of the law. Watch out for the religious of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seat in the church and in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses, and for a show, they make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. I think it's interesting, by the way, that he says they'll be punished most severely because, like, let's let's think about this for a second. 
Like there's a lot of crime, there's a lot of crazy things, a lot of evil in the world. And Jesus says, these people will be punished the most severely because they're the people who, they're the religious people who like to dress up really, really nice. They want to dress in such a way that people will look at them at every point, that they'll, they'll see that they're holy men, they're holy women. And not only that, but when they go to church, you better not sit in their chair. I don't want, there's something to poke there, but I won't poke it today for you guys, all right? He says, hey, when they go out to eat dinner, if there's a group of us, they're going to sit at the top of the table. They're going to sit right in the middle. They're going to sit where everyone's attention is on them. And then they said, hey, and when they pray, they're not really praying to God. They're actually praying out loud so everyone else around them will hear. And he says, these people will be treated the most severely. He also has this caveat in there that they, they devour widows' homes. That everything they have, they, they take from the poor and those that are marginalized and those that are hurting. It's an interesting story. And then the, he kind of keeps going on. But really, first off, I really, this chunk is really important here. Why, why, does, he, why does he say that they're going to be punished the most severely? I, I think really easily, just a quick, quick thought here, is that they just don't take God seriously. They take themselves way too seriously, and they take God very, very lightly. It's about them. It's about putting the eyes on them. And then he goes into the next verse, and he says like this in verse 41. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put, and he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. And many rich people threw in large amounts, verse 42. But a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything that she had to live on. This is an interesting story. We call it the widow's offering, the widow's might, whatever you want to call it. Uh, It's an interesting story that Jesus is telling, and I think there's something that we can see out of it. So just a quick history lesson for you guys. Back in in antiquity, in the times of Jesus, there was the big temple, right? And on the outer part of the temple was this this area where people would give their offerings, and there were about 13 different buckets. About nine of those buckets were really the the sacrificial offerings or or the offerings that you were supposed to give, and the rest of them were almost, I wouldn't say voluntary, but they were almost voluntary offerings. And, And this is, they had all these buckets out there, and they had people walking by. Now, keeping context, he was just like lampooning the religious people who, who wanted to be seen really, really well. They wanted everyone to see them. And, and in the court and in the temple, the, the offering buckets, they didn't look like those white buckets we pass around. They don't look like even like this. What they look like is they honestly, most people say they look kind of like trumpets. Like they had that big round top and, and you would throw your, your, your change, you throw your, your offering in there. And so what they would do, what they loved to do was they would get their money and they would do it at a certain time of the day where most people were in there, probably at an 11 o'clock service, not a 9 a.m. service, I know. And, and they, they would come in there and they would say, well, hey, hey, um, is, where's everyone at? Is everyone looking here? Here's what they, I need them to hear. I need them to hear what's happening. Oh, and then people start looking around. Hey, what was that? Oh, you're amazing. Look how much money they're giving to church. Oh, you're inc- oh, they're just laying it out. There. Look at all that they're giving. Like this is this moment where everyone's seeing them, and, and the pride is building up inside of them. Like we give so much to the church, we give so much. It, it's incredible, and people should praise us for that. And and that's what Jesus is saying. Hey, there's something. There's an issue here because what ends up happening is just a little bit later, a, a widowed woman comes up, 
in the time of antiquity, if, if you were a, a, a widowed woman, you were almost at the bottom of society. Uh, for the most part, you could even, for some, maybe be considered a slave. And, and she walks up, in all of her poverty, in all of her loss, and she has two, two little coins. Uh, the King James Version, your, your Bible might call it a mite. Uh, really, it's a, they called him a leptin, and, and, and she took it and wasn't, that's what you heard. Not much. Attention wasn't being drawn to her. It wasn't that big of a deal. And so Jesus looks at that and says, whoa, something just happened right here. Something just, like, the, the, the rich, the religious, they gave incredible. But there's a woman who came in and just, she gave all that she had, and what she had was more than everyone else combined. Again, it's not about the gift. It was about the what, the heart, and what was behind it. It's an incredible story. And if we're going to get into this, I want to talk about two. I want to talk about two different things, and then I want to talk about some application that we have to, to go through. Here's the two things. There, there's uh, two kind of roads and ditches in theology, and one is called prosperity theology, and one's called um, poverty theology. And just right up front, our church is in neither of those camps, by the way. Prosperity theology is the idea that if God is using you, if God is working in you. Uh, then you're going to have an increase in your life, and that if you're not having increase, then you're not doing what God's called you to do. That's that's prosperity theology. This is this is the televangelist that that is robbing these these little old ladies of their retirement, saying, "If you just give it to me, God will increase it to you three, four, five hundred fold." And they send their money in there, and the last that they have, and 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 all the while they're flying on jets all around the world. It's it's that that person. It's the person that says that following Jesus means that you always get really nice stuff. That if you, that the old, um, there's an old, let's see how we say this on a non-recorded service. Uh, there's an old televangelist that might have a university around here that would say that God isn't poor no more, right? That, that, that idea that we, that we can just live off of that, that God has everything and, and, that, and that because Abraham was blessed by God, because Solomon was blessed by God, then you have to be blessed by God in everything that you have. And the sad part of this theology is that we export this theology. It's a very American theology, by the way. We export it to all other countries, especially those poverty-driven countries, those third-world countries, and we tell them, hey, if you just give us more of, your, of what you have, your cows, you give us more of your livestock, whatever you have, then, then maybe God will bless you, and then you see these people live in ruin. This is a bad theology. It's a ditch that we don't sit in. So there's prosperity theology, that if you just give and give and give, God will give back. And he almost turns into like this genie in a bottle that if I do this, you'll do this. And then there's another side, and it's the exact opposite. We call it poverty theology. It's the opposite of it. It's the idea that, well, you know, the love of money is the root of all evil. The Bible says that. And so if you have things, then there must be something wrong with you. You love your things more than you love God. It's the idea that if someone has something better than me, then, then, then they're, they're doing something. They're not giving enough to the Lord. And that to be holy is to be poor. And to be holy is to live just a, a humble, small life and not care about increase and not care about God's blessing and, and never go on vacations and, and never try to live a good life. You have to do everything you can to just live on the ground. And that's another theology that is wicked as well. 
As much as the prosperity theology is bad, so is poverty theology. Because I do believe that God gives each and every one of us different resources. And that God's using you in a way that he might not be using somebody else. And that no matter what we have, we're not bound by money. I know that's the currency of the world around us. I get all of that, but, and I'm not trying to be cheesy, old school 1980s, but there is God's economy that the church lives on, that we live on, that the, that the believers of God live on, that we know that tomorrow is God's, and so he'll take care of us. And so we don't live in one of these two ditches. We try to live in being faithful to what God's given us. Amen? And so those are the two ditches that we can see in life. They're two wrong doctrines and beliefs about God. So what are we going to take from this story here today? I got three things, and we're going to be done. Number, number one, what's in your hand will get man's attention, but what's in your heart will get God's attention. In the last few days of his life, this is really the holy week. This is, this is passion week. Jesus is going to the cross pretty soon, and he sees all these religious people showing up to the temple, throwing in their money. And again, this woman walks up, and she drops in two coins, all that she had, and it stops Jesus in his tracks. It's to the point, it's such an incredible story to him that it shows up in other gospels. That this woman gave so much that it impacted Jesus. This caused him for this moment to, to teach the disciples something that, again, it's not about what you're giving, it's, it's not about what's in your hand, it's actually about what's in your, what's in your heart. And I think what's important to that is if we can get our minds off of money for a second, just a reminder to you, Whatever you have in your heart, whatever God's birthed inside of you, whatever, whatever dream you have, whatever you feel like God's called you to do in your own life, whatever, whatever you feel like there is for you in life, I'm not talking about money, but whatever you feel like it is, even if it feels like it's been hidden for a while, like people aren't seeing your talents or people aren't seeing what you bring to the table or people aren't seeing what you, what you can do, God still sees it. And God looks at those things. It's not about the person who has everything, it's about the person who, and they know that with God, he is everything. And they have that heart to look at that. God's eyes are on the ones who, maybe, maybe they're not the ones who just come in to worship or sing up on this stage, but maybe they're the ones who are standing back there in those seats saying, God, I'm gonna give you all that I have, even if it feels bad, even if it feels like it's not going well in my life. I'm gonna give you everything. That's what gets God's attention. It's not what's in your hand, what's in your, your heart. Number two, we gotta trust God with our tomorrows. We gotta trust God with our tomorrows. I think the biggest hindrance to generosity, to living a generous life, is always that lie of what if. What, what if I do give, and if I give and then my electric bill comes in and it's worse than I thought, or what if I give and, and my car breaks? Like, what, 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 what if I give and it doesn't go well for me? That, that's always the talk, or that's always the idea that we have. What if I give and it just gets worse? And in the, in the book of Job, it was probably the hardest book to understand. And it really puts into perspective God and suffering. Job, you know the story, Job loses everything that he has, right? He loses his family, he loses his job, he loses his health, he loses his wealth, he loses everything. And then God comes to Job, and he speaks to Job. And, and when he speaks to Job, he, you know what's always been frustrating me about parts of the Bible? is that sometimes they'll ask God questions and he doesn't directly answer them. He, he kind of gives a different story or, or he'll talk around it. And, and in the story of Job, he kind of does the same thing. Job says, God, wh why is this happening to me? 
I've done everything you've asked me to do. Why is this, why is this happening to me? And, and then God comes to him in Job chapter 38, and he just gives him this big, long speech. And I'm just going to read you a couple of verses. He says, this is God talking to Job, and he says, Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? He said, did you do that, Job? Was that, was that your power? When I made the cloud its garment, uh, wrapped it in thick darkness, when I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place, when I said, this is how far you come and no farther, here is where your proud waves halt. Have you ever given orders, Job, to the morning or shown the dawn its place? Job, have you told the sun where to go up and where to set? Job, is that your power? Like, like Job, you're asking me why I'm doing what I'm doing. Let me ask you, do you do what I do? That's what he's saying to him. Can you understand and unravel the intelligence and how big God is? Like, Job, do you think you understand what's going on in your world around me? I take everything on and I run everything. This is what God's trying to tell Job. And here's why I'm telling you to trust God with your tomorrows, because God's there in your tomorrow. God doesn't live in some kind of linear version of time, right? God doesn't understand the past. Like, you're scared about next Thursday. God doesn't see next Thursday, right? God's there right now. The future is not some place he, he needs to be at. It's where he is right now. God knows what's going to happen. If you give today, if you, if you sacrifice today, if you go and serve today, if you go on that mission trip, if you go and serve in whatever capacity you want to serve in, God knows the outcome of that, and he's going to take care of you in the middle of all of it. And this is a guy that, like my wife just said, is going to celebrate tomorrow, not celebrate, but mark tomorrow the death of our daughter. I believe still that tomorrow is still God's, and he's still going to take care of me and my wife in that moment, and he'll take care of you in your moments. We can trust God in our tomorrows. Amen? Look right here. He owns a cattle on all the hills. You think your money matters to God? You think he needs it? The Bible says that he sits on a throne and he looks at all the earth and said, the world is mine. I don't need your money. Again, let's go back. My heart. It's about your heart. We can trust God with our tomorrow. Whatever situation, take money out of the situation if you want to. Whatever it is, you can trust God with your Tomorrow. This woman, she, she walks up in her poverty with everything she had. How am I going to take care of my food? How, how am I going to pay my bills? How, how am I going to get what I need? How am I going to get the, how am I going to get new clothes? How, like, what, what am I? God, you're going to provide, though. Yeah, I, I got to pay some bills. But God, you're going to provide. Yeah, I've never done this. I'm scared to death. I don't, I, I don't know what I can provide. And she throws it in there. Trust God with your tomorrows. Number three, and we're going to finish it out here. Everyone still good? Everyone say, I love. You, Matt. It's not about the portion, but the proportion. Um, she had two coins. History tells us that these coins, not only did they not really have a lot of value, in the bigger scheme of everything, but they were so thin that if you threw them in the air, they'd just fly around in the wind. There wasn't a lot to them. They didn't have incredible value, but they impressed the Lord. Because again, it's not portion, it's the proportion. She gave when it hurt. So, so can I, I just, I love you. I, I, so I, I go to a chiropractor now. I, I've turned 36 and my body hurts, okay? And so 
They go to a chiropractor, and, and one of the things that they do is, if you've ever been to one, they, they, they lay you down, and they just start poking and prodding on you, basically, is what happens. And, and they, when they see me kind of squirm a little bit, they're like, oh, we need to, let's investigate that for a second. When we talk about money and generosity, if it right now is kind of making you squirm a little bit, God, don't, I'll give you, but don't talk about my wallet. If it's, making, if it's kind of bothering you a little bit, I love you. Maybe we need to investigate it a little bit. Maybe that's a part of your heart that you kind of held back from the Lord. And I'm not shaming anybody in here. But maybe it's something you really do need to look at. Maybe it's something you really need to think about. What, what's, what's going on there? I wasn't going to read these verses. I don't even have them on slides. But I'm going to read them. And just know that this is the word of God, not, not Barnett. Malachi chapter 3. He says, this is God talking. He says, return to me and I'll return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return to you, God? God says, will a mere mortal rob God? And yet you rob me. But, but you're, you ask, how are we robbing you, God? How, 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 like I come to church. I give when I can't. How, how am I robbing you? God, How? He says, in tithes and offerings, you're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Now, we can go back and forth about Old Testament, New Testament promise. We can do all that. We can have that game. We can, we can play that. But again, if, it, if there's some squirming going on, let's investigate. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And he says this, test me in this. Again, we, you've always heard, don't test God. God says right here, test me in this. And see if I don't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there won't be enough room for you to store it all in. God says in the text that we're robbing him not by our lack of generosity, but we're actually just robbing him also by not letting him bless us. Can I, can I be honest with you? And, and I'm just, there was around a decade or so ago that Brent sat me down, and this is before I ever worked here. They sat me down, he said, Matt, and I don't, he didn't have, he didn't know what I, what I gave to the church. That was nothing, hardly. And he, he said, I just wonder if this maybe is an area of your life that you haven't submitted to the Lord. Like, I see leadership in you, I see, I see things in you, but I wonder if this is one area. And, and I could have been mad in that moment and said, who are you to tell me what I give? That's between me and the Lord. I, I could have been that person. But God it grabbed my heart. I said, no, you're, you know what? That's right. It is the thing that I'm holding back on. And I'm not trying to be awesome. But from that point on, I said, man, it, that's a part of my life. We're going to give. This is, again, before I worked at this church. And I promise you this. In over a decade's time, I have seen over and over and over the blessings of God in my life. To the point where I can't understand how it works. To the point where I don't get how it just shows up. Where I don't understand, like, and, and, and can I tell you, there's weeks where it's not fun to give. There's weeks where I don't want to do it. There's weeks where I know that, man, there's other things I could pay for. There's other things I could take care of. But God gets the first part of my paycheck. And because he gives, can I give him the first part of my paycheck? I believe he blesses the rest of it. And he lets it stretch out more and more and more. The truth here is that when you hold nothing back from God, you really, everything in the world can be yours. 
because he owns it all. And one of the worst mindsets that I think we get into is, well, when I get a little bit more, I'll give some more. How long until we quit lying to ourselves? Right? Let's be honest. Well, Matt, it's not about percents. Get it. Cool. Go with it how you want to. But how long are you going to lie to yourself? This is not something I'm like, man, you need to feel guilty. You need to give God. No, this is a blessing. There's a window that God wants to open up and bless your life with. And I'm just telling you as a friend, not as a pastor. Let me just talk to you as Matt Barnett. I want that blessing for your life. I want you to have something good in life. I want God to show up in such a way that you have to say, it wasn't my job. It wasn't my boss. It was God. I want that for you. Can I, again, this is not about the church's need for your money. We're good. We're Unapologetically, we're good. It's for you and for me. It's for you and it's for me. If you won't tithe, making $30,000 a year, how would you tithe making $300,000 a year? You won't. You just won't. And so start where you're at. God, again, he doesn't need your money. He's after your heart. And often our hearts are linked to our wallets. I want the blessings of God for your life. Again, it's not guilting. It's what are you holding back from me? God asked us to give because, again, he was a generous giver to us with his son, Jesus. And this is the example that we follow. And so today, all across this room, just you and me for a second, I just want to pray. I know this is a weird sermon, but all across the room, with everyone's head bowed and eyes closed, just, just for three seconds here. If, if you're here today and, and you're like, Matt, I, I just, this is my first time to church, or I've been to church in a while, and, and you're talking about money, and, and I get that, that's cool, the blessings of God are great, but man, I, I don't know how to access that. I don't know why. The, the truth here is that before you do anything else, you need to make sure your relationship with the Lord is right. So in this room, I just want you to take a second to examine your own heart and ask God, God, is there, is there something there? Like, do I know you? Are we, are we connected? If there's something in your heart right now saying, no, you, you need to follow Jesus, then maybe today's the day for you. The Bible's very clear that if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart, that he's the Lord, then, then you can be saved. It doesn't mean that you have to go and do 5,000 different things. It doesn't mean that you have to start tithing today. It just means that if you believe that he died and he rose for you, a sinner, broken, you can be saved. How we do it around here, there's nothing magical about it, but we just pray a simple prayer. If you want to give your life to Jesus, this is, this is how we do it. You can just pray this prayer with me. Pray it in your head. You can pray it out loud, however you want to do it. But, but here, here's the prayer. God, today... I ask for your forgiveness. I ask that you forgive me of my mistakes and my sins. And God, with all the faith that I can muster right now, I believe you died on a cross. I believe you were raised from the dead. And with that confession of faith, I believe you're saving me. I give you my heart, my will, all my emotions. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. With everyone's head bowed and eyes closed, if you pray that for the first time, just you and me for a second. If that's you, you pray the first time you got your life right with the Lord. If that's, if that's you, would you just slip up a, a hand real fast? If there's anyone in the room, is there anyone here today? And God, we love you and we thank you for who you are and what you're doing here. God, today we pray that you would just speak 
God, I pray as we go into this small group rally even, God, that you would just help us connect with like-minded believers. God, we love you. We thank you. In your name I pray. And everybody said, hey. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's a couple of things I want to invite you to do. First, hit the subscribe button. That way, you won't miss a single episode. Secondly, if this message has impacted you and you would like to help us reach others, visit our website at hillspring.tv and hit the Give Now button so that we can take this message around the globe. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.